Welcome to Salamander Babies. I ship it. <laughs> <laughs> to the Delta Quadrant. <laughs> I'm Temporal Timekeeper Mario Panagetti. I'm Quantum Anarchist Jim Gold. I'm Chief Philosophy Officer Lou Gold. Holodeck Programmer Jen Marshall. And this week we'll be discussing Season 2, Episode 4 of Voyager, titled Illusion. And I'm not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, so it is on the, the shiving blogs. It says in Elogium can season you, can two. You, oh, the episode is? Yeah. Um, Janeway, this is the Janeway Chakotay shipping blog, by the way. <laughs> What's uh, the blog called? It is called, I don't want to lose my place, but it is at shipmanifesto.livejournal.com. God damn it, of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> Every part of that rings true. Uh, there's even some recommended fanfic. Anyways. Um, in, Linked below. In Elogium Season 2, Janeway was referring to the problem of discouraging a large space-faring organism that was attracted to Voyager when she said, next time I need mating advice, I'll know where to go, Commander. But once again, the statement was loaded with subtext. Or just text. But <laughs> let's, let's explain where that comes from as a synopsis. I'm going to read from the IMDb entry because it's full of typos and funny. The Voyager, lowercase v, encounters a swarm of mysterious life forms that has a strange effect on the ship's, no apostrophe, key operating system, and whose apostrophe s, prescience, Accelerates Kess' reproductive cycle. <laughs> that was beautiful. I I wept. It's a cautionary tale right there. In English? Yes. <laughs> it should be a slide in a PowerPoint presentation in high school. <laughs> yeah. Middle school. The Universal Translator went haywire on that one. It's a fun episode to choose for a group of people who all agree on one thing, which is that we hate Kess. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I don't hate Kess. I don't care about Kess. I hate Neelix. Yeah. And they tend to go together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I really love the episode, The Killing Game, part one and two, which we discussed last week. <laughs> and I thought it was a great episode. I think it, it goes into interesting topics. It presents things in a nice way, like aliens are well presented in the Herosian. And I just kind of wanted um, a palate cleanser. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted the opposite of that? I was like, yeah, like, what is not this? Let's, let's change it up a little bit. In all seriousness, no, I, I did intentionally and meaningfully select this episode because... I think it's important that we see the ups and downs of Voyager. <laughs> and I'm not, you know, we've talked about episodes in this show that we just kind of all thought were meh or kind of forgettable. And I'm like, this episode is not forgettable. <laughs> For all the things you can say about it, people know this episode. It's true. And so I thought it was important to, to kind of cover it from that angle. Yeah, I think that they... Um, the intention or some of the intention behind it was to talk about the ethics of having babies in space with limited resources um, and that they might have to do it one day. On the other hand, I don't think that like literally forcing the situation is helping anyone, especially Cass. <laughs> I kind of can't help but compare this to Battlestar Galactica because I will do that forever because Battlestar Galactica does this that concept much better. They had an episode with a very similar vibe and obviously the stakes are higher in BSG because they are the last of humanity, but the president has to have a very real dilemma in her mind about whether or not, well, not, not even on the same level, because in Voyager it's about should we have people have babies in order to carry on a lineage for a generational ship. With BSG it's like, should we allow abortion because every person literally counts in mm -hmm. this society. And ultimately she makes abortion illegal within their society to force a, a baby to come to term. And it's a tough episode, and, and it's hard to say that she absolutely made the right or wrong choice, but, you know, it's supposed to be thought-provoking. This one, I thought, was maybe not as, as deep of a take on that. Yeah, um, so I, I 
had watched this episode, um, I, I kind of, back when I had selected weeks ago, the episode where Neelix dies, I ended up like kind of hate watching a bunch of Neelix and Kess episodes. And this was one of them. And that was like, if you hated this episode, yeah. <laughs> you'd also hate. If this uh, awoke in a rage within you, awoke a rage within you, <laughs> then uh, then continue. But so I watched this like a couple weeks ago, not realizing that we'd end up doing an episode on it. And in in a you know two a.m. not quite paying attention sort of way, I interpreted this episode very subtly as the attempt to talk about abortion. Or, you know, the right to choose and stuff like that. And it kind of, like, struck me as, oh, well, this is, like, a slightly progressive kind of thing. It's Cass's choice. And then, but in hindsight, thinking about it and then rewatching it, I'm like, but it's it's not actually her choice to keep a child. It's her choice to have one in the first place. And so it kind of became a sort of, like, a softball kind of attempt to do some sort of social commentary, like you were saying, where BSG just goes all in on it. So it's... I have mixed feelings about this episode in terms of the quality of the messaging. Yeah, the, I mean, in in the the BSG um, version, they they come to a conclusion that I think most like modern liberal audiences would find kind of abhorrent, uh, which was kind of intentional because yeah. that president also was very left leaning. Yeah, and it it worked in terms of like a commentary kind of thing in in BSG. Uh, and then here, um, they they like backtrack the entire thing at the end. This is like, oh, it was probably false, <laughs> uh, and we can probably like actually do this again eventually. So it it sort of like removes a lot of the tension about making the choice to begin with. Yeah, it was like a, and it was all a dream. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, stakes no more. <laughs> like mm-hmm. oh. Well, and to Lou's point, um, BSG, like, it related it very directly to real problems we deal with in the world today. I don't know if the Voyager thing has a good um, analog. Like, it's like, oh, should you choose to have a baby when you're really young? Like, I don't know if that's (laughs) necessarily exactly how the problem is framed in most people's (laughs) modern contexts. Yeah, that's true. That said, within it, they had interesting conversations about the thoughts people go through when they decide whether or not to have children and and the fact that, you know, despite it being kind of in a rushed state because of the nature of her physiology like they made some decent points and i thought neelix's conversation with tuvok was really well uh, written overall i was gonna say that as the gem of the episode is tuvok talking about his philosophies on fatherhood and his children it was adorable i think tuvok is the gem of any episode (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I, i think that that conversation stood out to us all because i mean tuvok generally like presents the voice of reason and like he's written that way like of course he would but he actually presents a really sort of enlightening take on parenthood not just to neelix who is a complete imbecile about the entire thing <laughs> but to the audience like it basically he says well if you're not dedicated to it i don't recommend doing it on the other hand it's amazing and i mean i'm not a parent but i could imagine that being like good advice just generally I'll speak for my mom when I can say I'm the best thing that's ever happened to her. <laughs> Humble brag. Literally. <laughs> Ask anyone. <laughs> we get we get listener mail from your sister next episode. <laughs> a few points to make here. Speaking speaking for for my parents, uh, Lou is the best thing to happen to them. <laughs> it was the end. That's why. Mm-hmm. Is it? F- it no more. <laughs> no more of this shit. Mm-hmm. We're done. <laughs> 
one other great thing from the uh, Tuvok conversation was him calling out Neelix's sexist bullshit. <laughs> yep. Yes. Holy Somebody's boy. got to. It's like a full-time job. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's above Ensign grade, too. Yeah. I watched Neelix died. I watched a different episode. I watched this one. I fucking hated Neelix, and I was so glad that he died and suffered in that one. It was like, oh, man. Yeah, so basically Neelix, in, in this episode, when he's talking with Tuvok, he's always referring to a hypothetical son and talking about the things that he will teach his son and the piloting skills and I forget what it was, survival tactics? What the fuck? R- r- and romantic last one was yeah. Romantics, yeah. techniques. Yeah, young girls are just expected to die. That's <laughs> Yeah. And well, so, of course they'll have a man like Neelix to protect them. Well, I mean, <laughs> I guess to be fair, Neelix is used to chasing after literally month, couple month old um, women. Yeah. For, for while they're young. Oh god. <laughs> so gross. So many things wrong. Such with this a stereotype. Person. It's also pretty apparent that he doesn't really view Kes as her own person. From yeah. All of her, the, his interactions with her throughout the episode, like he's in the doctor's office, like basically trying to make decisions for her. Like, speaking for about her own health. Like, he couldn't be, like, pushed out. Well, like, even at the very beginning of the episode, her interactions with Paris, uh, oh, yeah. and he overhe- he overhears a little bit of it, 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 and it's like, he just blows up with jealousy. And That's like... All, yeah, he gets all shitty and passive about it. Yeah, it's not a, <laughs> it's not a, like, a healthy way to engage in a relationship. Yeah, the thing he blows up about at the very beginning is literally just Tom saying, see you later. <laughs> yeah. And her saying, right. <laughs> like... I do think the Universal Translator could have, like, passed on the nuance of that being an expression of, mm-hmm. like, just cordial farewell. Yeah. It's not literally, like, planning a date. Yeah, but we're hearing it in, in English, and... Even if but they he were doesn't gonna speak hang English, out he's right, right, but he, he doesn't speak English, but what, what the things that he says we are hearing in English, and we're hearing the English, like, idioms and nuances in his speech, so it came through in the Universal Translator. But it seems like he didn't pick up on the actual meaning of the Because he's a dumb asshole. <laughs> that could not, be. Not, that could be. <laughs> I, I would just love to see an episode where we're literally hearing everything that's the universal translator broken down into its barest like parts. So Tom literally says cordial farewell. Because like, <laughs> <laughs> be like automatic response, devoid of emotion. Everybody's like an Elcor. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Gracefully. <laughs> Facetiously. How are you doing? Oh my God. <laughs> that would be rad. What means that? Drenched in sarcasm. I care about your feelings. Yeah, Neelix is not a good boyfriend. (laughs) But she wants him to be her baby daddy. Yeah, because she, like, I guess at that point, it's really like she wasn't even considering anybody else. Why? If it's your only chance to have a baby, wouldn't you look at everybody that you could possibly bone I mean they are dating the like, like she is romantically attached to him but I mean if you think a little bit bigger <laughs> it's 140 people it's not that big a shit I mean if you're thinking about jeans and shit like yeah I if you're thinking jeans and shit then Ocampan shouldn't be having babies because they only live to be nine they can't like have a meaningful impact on the universe yellow slimy hands on somebody for six days they're an evolutionary that's dead awful. end that's a that's a, uh, a non-trivial portion of their yeah, entire lifespan that's a that's a that's like slugs right mate <laughs> Seriously. We need to twist around each other and adhere to each other. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. (laughs) It's just like two-part epoxy. (laughs) 
And just you see, just twisted a double helix and hang from a tree for a while. Oh, it's yeah. gotta be like, are you calculating the percentage right now? Yes, I am. <laughs> what's, what's this percentage? Oh, I think it is it, math wrong. It is a really small percentage yeah. of the, the, the six days of lifespan. Well, if we're assuming oh, of their nine years. If yeah. we're assuming that a year is 365 days. Yeah, I, I think it's safe to assume. Yeah. What are we comparing this to? A 70 year lifespan of a human? Or? Well, oh, is it maximum well, or average? For a century, it's like 150, isn't it? Uh, they can. Have you seen Dr. McCoy being pretty well-aged? Yeah. Like a nice steak. <laughs> but is nine years their maximum or their average lifespan? I mean, I think she talks at some point about somebody living to be like 10 or 11. Okay. So, yeah, nine is like higher end. So you probably have like 70 or 80. Maybe yeah. even 90 just so you do an easy divide by 10. So yeah, Lou, just multiply yes. it by ten. Yeah, no, Did you it's like sixty. No, no, no. I was, so it's about two was, months of time. I was doing that's, it. That's... I was doing it as a percentage, and then I, and then as you were talking about, it, I was like, why am I doing this? Like, <laughs> people, let's just go. Yeah, ten percent. So. It's it's a significant percentage. If it'd, it'd be two months. That sucks. And you're just like stuck to some months. Well, I mean, should... if you're comparing that to like like planning pregnancy around cycles and like there's it's this timing involved but there. That, and... That's yeah. just the mating period, though. That's not that's not the pregnancy. Oh, this right. Six days wasn't the pregnancy. Six days was the actual mating. Yeah, yeah. yeah to it was sure. the part of the process. No, sorry, that's, that's I mean, what I, meant. I mean, so to your point, it's you know, like people take you know months or years or whatever to conceive. So two months of dedicated time to actually make it work, sure. But at the same time, that's like two months of sitting around and not doing anything. I assume, unless you can like crab walk around or whatever the <laughs> they have to do. I think you were saying they had to like marathon TV shows while yeah. they're sitting around doing nothing. Maybe she could still water her tomatoes and eat her beetles. Yeah, <laughs> she does. She doesn't have access to her hands. Oh yeah, yes, the, her feeder. Yeah, he, he has to open up DoorDash on the phone and yeah, call exactly. for him. Yeah, computer, water my tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Should have done this all along. Why do you even need me? So, so my problem is watching this episode. I'm just picturing the the other episode where Kess is traveling back in time through her body and she ends up with Tom and I'm just like Tom put up with all of this bullshit like he doesn't even have like the weird humans don't do too much gross shit with their bodies when they're Louis like pantomiming these sticky hands <laughs> that Kess has in the episode so I'm just like Tom, Tom was Tom was like this close and I'm holding my fingers very close together uh, from a bird person That's like okay, he's not enough. but where do her hands go? Because they're sticky they have to for stick a reason. To so yeah, it's probably still. Michigan. It has to be like that. So, so <laughs> why did we evolve this way? <laughs> so she's reaching back because because you pantomime. So yeah. so she's on the floor reaching back, cupping. I imagine here. Let's his stage thighs, it out. So one of you get on your knees, so put your arms like, up behind you, pass. <laughs> so basically, um, yeah. Kess's hands stick to Neelix's furry butt. <laughs> Presumably, she's like sweaty and gross looking. Oh yeah, and and he's furry all over. So you know she's gonna rip some of that. Oh, (laughs) she's gonna have to cut like hair off her palms. That'll never get off her hands. Oh god, it's gonna like squish through the hairs. I like how throughout the episode they just kept coming up with different weird shit that O'Compens do when they're gonna have a baby. It's like, look at this shit on my hands now. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they needed to make it look as weird and gross as possible to Neelix. So, like, really give him the dilemma. I have to do what now? (laughs) Sweatier. Sweatier. (laughs) When we were watching the episode, it was like, uh, I I think Lou said it, it was like Mad Libs. It's like Mad Libs for coming up with a mating, uh, yeah. a mating ceremony. Your, your dad has to massage your feet until your tongue gets larger <laughs> for some reason. It doesn't yeah. factor into anything. We just like it that way. Yeah. Okay, okay, I'm ready now. I'm ready for you. 
So, so to to the actress who plays Kess's credit, she was kind of lisping a little bit when she was getting the foot rub, and I was like, oh, okay. I guess okay. her tongue is bigger. Do you feel pretty good right now? Are we doing the right thing? I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> No, you're not. <laughs> Jesus. We slam on Kess a lot on this show. I think she did pretty good in this episode. Yeah. Like, like all told, the the actor was told to do to do weird as possible. <laughs> so there were there were parts of the episode that were really good for her, like when she's frantic and like uh, sitting on on top of the the desk uh, after erecting the force field, which she should not have had access to do. Yeah. Right when she's um, like she's like arched up and like yeah. kind of antsy, she can't but, sit still. But later on in the episode, there's a portion. Uh, there was a scene where um, she's having a conversation with somebody I forget who even but it's it's like normal Kess uh, acting with all the f- the f- up makeup and the, the sweat and it was just like that's not like she, she should she should be acting a, a little different she well should... I, I got the feeling that the, the panicked acting was more about the sudden realization of what was happening to her because when she was first eating the bugs and dirt and everything she didn't actually connect it to her species puberty right and then when she realized that, she got into sort of a panicked terror mode. But, and then she calmed down later, but, relatively. But it, it seemed like she was normal, normal Kess. And, and not, like, agitated at all. I'm trying to remember. I, 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 f- I would have to watch... that she had time to process her situation. Yeah, I, th- I think even if it's inconsistent, I could think of story reasons for it to work that way. Yeah. Yeah. It, did, it didn't bother me that much. Okay. I, it was something that stuck out to me mm. one when we were watching the episode. But I, mean, I, I just think about her initial scenes when she's eating the bugs absentmindedly and then she realizes what she's doing and she has like the biggest, giantest eyes ever like staring at her. <laughs> like she has time to calm down but she doesn't have time to like comb her hair and wipe the sweat off her face. Yeah. <laughs> it just keeps coming. It's Fix her makeup. Come on. Just, just take a shower. Get some yeah, sleep. Seriously. <laughs> just take a shower. The, uh, <laughs> look like a sweaty dish rag. Just take a shower. <laughs> the... The acting that I enjoyed the most from her um, was when she was eating the mashed potatoes and the flowers and, like, getting dragged out by Neelix. And part of the reason why I was like, holy fuck, is because she was actually eating the food, which is, like, horrible for actors because they have to do so many takes that usually they use spit buckets, but she was totally swallowing. And I was like, don't do it. It's and so typically, much. if they're doing multiple takes over a long period of time, the food gets cold and, and like, tastes even worse than it did in the first take. Yeah. So I'm like, props on her for actually, like, first of all, eating a bunch of food really fast in a very probably unpleasant manner and then, and then second, hiking some flowers yeah and like stuffing them in her face and like kicking around and flailing his nose pulling her out that, that was, was another problematic moment for neelix though because i'm like just let her eat the food just yeah. let her eat the food yeah like there's nothing wrong she's snacking she's hungry like there's no problem she's eating fruit like you're, whatever you're, you're eating way too much i have to take you to the doctor yeah, like, we need to stop this keep like, slim get out of my room yeah. i'm like to, to be fair she said that she ate like six bowls of mashed potatoes with dirt. With they were, dirt, they were that tiny a, bowls. She <laughs> ate five <laughs> bugs and dirt, and that's something her Wait, species doesn't normally do. But whom among us has not eaten six bowls of mashed potatoes? <laughs> I, I will not be the first to throw that stone. Me neither. Touche. I fucking love that Neelix was like, "This is so gross tasting." The mashed potatoes and, and butter, and like they don't tell you, "Oh yeah," and I stuck a bunch of dirt in it. <clears throat> but I still kind of feel like if he had like. Dirtless mashed mash potatoes and butter, he'd still fucking hate it. Yeah. yeah. But he eats like root vegetables all the time. Like But he's Neelix. <laughs> Maybe it's the butter that he doesn't like. I don't know. I, I don't be... I don't think putting dirt in your shit is not that bad. 
man. It's weird to... Yeah. I mean, she... Yeah. You taste, like, a lot of nitrogen in your food. It's I like think. the O'Coppin version of, like, pickles and peanut butter and ice cream and shit. But I hear pregnant ladies scream. <laughs> I, they're delicious. It's the sweet and the salty. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds awesome to me right now. Right. I love pickles. And I love ice cream. And peanut it's butter. Pickles and ice cream and peanut We should totally get some pickles, uh, ice cream, and peanut, peanut butter. Peanut butter ice cream. I, I have all With of those pickles. things. Pickled ice cream. I have all those things here. Sweet. And salty. Yep. I do not have potatoes, nor mashing implements, nor dirt here. So Actually, shit, I take it back. There's dirt right behind Mario. How are you on bugs? Uh, sadly, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> How do you feel about spiders? Yeah. That's oh, gross. I only want beetles. Yeah. Painted little baby painted beetles. Like I, like the, I like the alien beetles. Days, <laughs> Eight days a week with this guy. <laughs> that yeah, that was the thing when he starts like dragging her off to the doctor's office. I'm like, she can tell if she wants to go to the doctor's office or not. Just leave the f- alone. Break up with him. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough to break up. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> he had a sincere concern, and it was medically unusual for her. Oh, no, cut off. I mean, that's that's cut. fair, but. <laughs> She should still break up with him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, unrelated. She should break up with him. Yeah, related, unrelated. I'm not feeling too picky. I think there was there was definitely reason, more of a um, a chunk of the episode dedicated to babying Neelix through his feelings about fatherhood <laughs> than there was to uh, Kes talking about whether or not she actually wanted to have a child. Well, and that she, was just kind of like, a, eh, never mind. Well, and she <laughs> mentioned that a little bit. She was like, when Neelix wasn't into it, I basically had the excuse of not having to think about it too much. But now that he's gung ho, I'm like. I'm actually having thoughts about this that I wasn't having before. Like, she might have been able to have an out with him saying no. So, I actually have um, several sets of friends who have had this thing happen to them where it switches back and forth. But it usually takes, like, over the course of three years from what I've seen. And this was like, <laughs> I mean, you got 50 hours to yeah, it. But also, nine year lifespan. Like, divide everything by nine for our expectations. She's just on a different timetable than we are. Mm-hmm. So, I assume baby is about a one month development cycle. It'd be funny if it was like one year. <laughs> like a huge chunk of her life. It, it doesn't make any sense that like they can only conceive once, but they only live for nine years. Like how that would be over like and how many generations? Yeah, I feel like little like rodents and mammals on on our planet. Like when they <laughs> live a short period of time, they just constantly like rabbits. <laughs> That's like, why that expression exists. Exactly, yeah. but like that would pretty much dictate that everybody in a common society has to produce one child or more. But. All right, unless they have twins. What I'm saying, they can. They can. They can have twins. I assume. Yeah. Hypothetically, but um, there's not the a lot of uh, there's not a lot of sample data to work with. Yeah, the the only um, people that we've seen that I'm aware of are um, single children. But have we only seen Kess and no longer existing future Kess baby? Yes. So I mean, that's just not a lot of current data to work with. Four. <laughs> Again, the timeline never three. even happened. Wait, three. That's an alternate offshoot. But it's still. But the conditions have changed in our universe. It's basically, <laughs> basically making reasonable assumptions. The entire uh, Ocampan species doesn't make any sense. Right, but I just don't think we can make a reasonable assumption about how many babies they can have at once. And if they can only mate once, it stands to reason that they should have litters of babies to compensate right. for that. It, they they should, but we have no evidence for that. What we do have evidence of is that Ocampans survived and have seemingly thrived on that planet like, uh, there's there were like dozens of people on the pilot like according, was, according to the writers it, it, it it's all according to the writers yeah yeah I, i'm just saying that the the writers wrote them shittily maybe but that's all the data you have yeah 
I would kind of love it if um, different families produce different numbers of offspring, and that's why we only see single births from Kess's family. That one lineage just come out of. Yeah, but Bukumpa. but there's like another family tree where everybody has seven kids. <laughs> that would be a way different thing to plan for. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I have to have babies right now. Oh, there's gonna be seven of them. I will Don't definitely worry about have it. seven. It's gonna be cool. <laughs> you have to decide if you want to be a seven kid dad. There's so many things with this episode. <laughs> I feel like I know that we've kind of had some stuff. We haven't even talked about the aliens. Oh god, those things. <laughs> the, the animals. Sorry, no, no. Yeah, the ones that want to be on the ship. Yeah. There's that whole other was that I guess that's, that's the, the B plot. plot. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, funny. Yeah, they're like those little sucker fish on sharks, except for they were sucking the warp energy out of the new cells. Well, they were attracted to the the warp field. Yeah, because whatever. something something signature is just like the. It was like the pheromones of their species. Yeah. yeah, they they did put a lot of effort into thinking out in great detail how these animals like mate and interact. It was like, oh, they they have like color change for dominant and submissive stances, and they have pheromones, and they have like this plasma stream they they release when they're. Um, in taking fighting stances, like there's a lot of little factoids they drop in the course of an episode about a one-off monster. I feel like one of the writers probably studied biology in undergrad and was like, finally I get to do this. Chakotay well, will be my medium. Or they watched a bunch of Nat Geo. <laughs> yeah, it was about as educational as that, right? It was basically Planet Earth in yeah. the Delta Quadrant. Yeah. <laughs> planet Earth. They still call it Planet Earth. <laughs> I'm picturing Planet Earth just teleporting over there, like in Rick and Morty. Um, I hate to tell you this, but anybody that you have an orbit's dead. <laughs> oh, yeah, the the space aliens. <laughs> I had no good way of phrasing that. I don't know if aliens. Well, I mean, they are, but like aliens, they usually used to describe like intelligent life forms, and these were like animals, space animals. They like I think they compared to what protozoa. Something like mm-hmm. that. Who were giant somehow eating things in space because space things. has food everywhere. Yeah, I guess. They they flagellate to move in yeah. space. In it's space. Like, uh, Everything Christ. they said when you add in space at the end it stops making sense. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they've got thrusters in their bums. In in space. <laughs> in space. Then why do they wag their tails to flagellate? Uh, it powers the little Somebody wasn't course. thinking about that. The same reason why laser or the uh, phasers have like light and sound in space. You can see the path they take. Yeah. Because of all the dust in space they travel through. Yeah. Floating in the air that's in space. Yeah, I can't I can't think of a space-faring life form they encounter that ever makes sense. <laughs> like, I think, doesn't Encounter at Farpoint in like the first TNG have like a space jellyfish? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, that turns into a spaceship. And yeah, the crystal well, entity. So the, yeah. yeah, the in Farpoint, the city that they're sort of walking around in is the creature. Yeah, and they find its mate in space, and it's like taken the form of a spaceship. How hmm. is this for a space-pairing alien Q? Because <laughs> isn't um, I guess one what's his face isn't it? Well, his name Q? has to be Q. Yes, Q isn't it? Comet. When he's uh, yeah, but that was he, oh, was, that's, he was trapped there. Yeah, that's Quinn, right? Or he was exiled there. Yeah. But like, uh, yeah, they so. call him Quinn, yeah, yeah, to differentiate him. But but technically, he's they can exist in space. Yeah, but did they start in space? That's a weird question. The Q contend that they the, the yeah. Q contend that they have always existed, that they uh, didn't evolve from some lower life form, which you know is impossible to prove because they are all powerful and could just exist yeah. at any point so in space could, and time. I could either believe that or they could be lying. Yeah, I could I could <laughs> see the lying working either way, yeah. like them being just mighty and proud of themselves as the Q. As for the Q continuum, I don't know if that's like 
a literal place or just a name they've given to a, an aspect of dimensionality that uh, lower beings can't access. Yeah. It's the Civil but, War. That there is a Civil War episode. Well, there's the Civil War, but there's also the version that Picard sees that's the road. Yeah, it takes uh, a couple different forms. Yeah. In the Quinn episode, it takes the form of like an, an old shack in the middle of the desert. I like how we're talking about <laughs> the Q. And I'm sorry, I got us off on this. <laughs> so, yeah... I guess that kind of counts. They they certainly do seem to exist in space. I'm I'm just I, they yeah. can they can instantiate themselves in space and time. But, but considering they are seemingly all powerful, they also kind of break rules of laws yeah. of thermodynamics and things. Like they don't have to breathe or anything. They they can break all physical laws. They have infinite like, energy. Like well, in I forget. Oh, when uh, in TNG, when Q loses his powers, um, he's like working with LaForge to solve an engineering problem. And he's like, well, just change the gravitational constant. Like, like change, universe. Yeah, change big G. <laughs> yeah. It's like, of course. Like, oh, we can't fucking do that, dude. <laughs> These aliens, though, were bound by the universal limitations, presumably, but they can also flagellate through space. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess they weren't. Hey, they use magnets. They do use magnets. Uh, we still do don't know work? how they work. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why they flagellate. That must be it. And apparently uh, they magnetize Voyager into their cloud. <laughs> some of those things made sense to somebody at some point <laughs> sort of so like, Harry's like assume we're magnetic <laughs> we've been magnetized I just don't think the Voyager has a single like magnetic charge pretty sure not <laughs> pretty sure not I might be like net positive or negative but <laughs> I assume it's not just like a big plus sign and they're a yeah. big minus cloud I'm sure it would be like a, a detriment for anything on the hull to be magnetized. <laughs> to be so susceptible to that basic force. Come on. That all species would have access to. Uh, just galaxy Quest with the minefield. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, like, they use magnetic boots in in various Star Trek movies. In, in Star Trek movies. 6. Um, well, yeah. in, Star, in Star Trek 6 is in First Contact. Yeah. Um, you could also, you could explain that, like, electro whatever, and it wasn't just straight magnetization. Yeah, they used a bunch of other words because <laughs> you can it's turn true. them on and off like if it was just like a powerful magnet like you'd still have to like well an electromagnet is just a piece right, of yeah. ferrous material and a current going around it yeah and that's what they were yeah <laughs> that's exactly what those aliens <laughs> that's were, what yes. they probably were yep. electromagnets yeah they were little <laughs> flying <they> dynamos <laughs> little miracles <laughs> aliens they work. Voyager never really figures out how they work. No. Uh, they figure out how sex works right. for them. They, they kind of reason their way through the problem by watching some kind of nature documentary and relaying it directly to what they're doing. Back yeah. sex and sweaty faces. <laughs> Different biological problem. <laughs> yeah, they kind of uh, trialed and errored it until they realized they needed a sub on that one. Yep. Yeah. What, what, what if we try hitting them? No. Okay, I guess that didn't work. Uh, really what hard. if we, yeah, what if we hit him harder? <laughs> what if we ran away? What if we ran away slowly? <laughs> what, what if we turned blue? What if we distracted them with the probe? Oh, but they got angry. <laughs> That's super bad. I don't know why that makes any sense. <laughs> they basically just throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks to it. Like, yeah. it's a very strange way they approach this problem. Chicote was there to help get him out of it. It's true. He he was also <laughs> making things up as he went along, but he eventually found the right one. Yep. I think we all appreciated Bellana just f***ing losing it every five minutes. Like, why aren't we killing them all? It's like, we have phasers and warp drive. This is a solved problem. 
You're gonna kill us all, Janeway. She's actually very Klingon in this episode, and I don't mean that to like generalize her her position in life, but racist. (laughs) Well, it's the whole point of her character is that she has this dilemma between Klingon human side. But they in season two, I don't think they had defined it as well, and so she just comes off as randomly hot headed. Yeah. Also, she brought up the Targ cow catcher. Yeah, Yeah. she's using Klingon metaphors, which is just like we do that here too. (laughs) Wait, Targ cow catcher? It was Targ catcher. Oh, okay. Did she say Targ catcher? She said Targ scoop. Yeah, yeah. But it's Uh, a even though it was like a radiation like noise they don't like. I don't know why it would be a scoop or. Yeah, it was more like a cow catcher, just pushing them out of the way. Yeah. Okay. Like, give them a little push at warp by ramming them. <laughs> It'll be cool. Nobody's gonna. We'll know. just fly straight through them. Pull them off. Our holes tapered. They'll just like slide right off. It's yeah, fine. yeah, that's how it works. We'll just slide right. Off. <laughs> They're incredibly porous. Let's go right through them. Especially now. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> like all the forward-facing windows are just covered in slime. <laughs> Yeah. It is kind of funny that Bolana's character evolution, how they don't really, she doesn't really know who she is until like maybe season three or four. Yeah, she felt prototypical in this episode. Yeah, yeah. And it's like sometimes she's like extra Klingon, and sometimes she's like, I hate being Klingon. I want to be superhuman. <laughs> I mean, the ultimate episode for that is when she's split into two, right? Yes. Yeah. God. That was a good one. <laughs> I forgot about that. I like that one. She becomes hyper Klingon and hyper human. Yep. She's all like weak, and then. Mm. <laughs> It's She's like, like I need my Klingon side. We gotta watch that one. Maybe that'll be <laughs> That episode's kind of a fic, right? Uh, probably. I assume so. Yeah. I mean, for people who like Bolana Tom. Bolana Tom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jen, you got a new side <laughs> Just open Jen's mind to new possibilities. <laughs> That's who she's gonna pirate her captainship. Captain her pirate ship with. Herself. Yep, I like this. I like she this never plan. knew her own true soulmate <laughs> until she met she her would own ser- self. She would seriously rip herself apart, though. <laughs> this seems like, like a Rick and Morty riff. <laughs> How do two people want to self-annihilate. It's just, it's just two brothers. Two brothers and a man. How do you it's bite your own face? <laughs> Blonde had a really small part in this episode. <laughs> she did. Yeah, she was to be clear. <laughs> Just she like, was just the voice of, like, irrationality on the bridge the whole time. I appreciate anything, Bolana. I it's really a, do. It's a kind of rationality. Just f- kill them. Let's go. She's yeah. acting very much like Worf often did on Next Gen of being the token, like, like Klingon who was quick to action and quick to combat. She's also kind of the chorus, like, the Greek chorus in this episode. Because you know that everyone was sitting at home going, like, yeah. <laughs> Why are we wasting our time with this? Yeah, but she's the only one who seems to have that opinion the whole time. Right. Except Tuvok agrees that they're towards the end. He's like, he's like uh, it's literally <laughs> ramming us now. <laughs> Practicality kind of takes initiative here. Yep. Way to go, head of security. <laughs> yep. Tu- Tuvok says, okay, they're they're basically hitting us. Maybe we should hit them back. Yeah. And Chicote says, if we're not willing to just kill them, we should do something else here. <laughs> Tasha would probably have reacted the same way, though. It's like, you should just kill him. R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she came back. I guess. Not and really. had a, a Romulan daughter. Yeah. But that wasn't Tasha. And that wasn't Voyager. Yeah, it wasn't Voyager. <laughs> it definitely wasn't this episode of Star Trek Voyager. <laughs> I like how so much happened in this episode of Voyager, and we're on so many random <laughs> tangents. 
it introduces an implication for an entire species of which we're familiar with now because Kess is on the ship. So it's like, you can't really look at her now without remembering that she had like a weird gross sack on her back and she was sweaty for like a whole episode. Is she like a ticking time bomb now? She's yeah. like, eventually she's going to go into heat yeah, again. Yeah, like, when is reals? it going to happen again? Hide your dirt. <laughs> <laughs> luckily she leaves before that can happen. Yeah, luckily. One, one day somebody just walks into the hydroponic bay and all the dirt's gone. They're like, okay, where's Kess? <laughs> She's, she's like crawling around on the ceiling. <laughs> There's sticky hands. <laughs> she's in a closet and mashed potatoes <laughs> and bugs. <laughs> the the sack on the back of the Ocompans, um when they're giving birth is featured in the like reverse um, aging one, oh, really? I guess. Because because um, at one point she flashes back to her in the middle of childbirth <laughs> and it's really awkward because like she's on uh tom and her are on like a shuttle and he's she's like standing and he's delivering the baby out of the sack on her back <laughs> and and he's like i could see the toes and i'm like that's an awful way of doing it gross <laughs> and and um then it's featured again later in the episode when she's reliving her own birth which is, I'm sorry, at some point I'm probably going to pick that episode because there's so many things involved in that that need to be discussed. It's definitely one I don't remember very clearly. It's a fucked up episode. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. But I think it pairs really well with this one in the whole, like, what the fuck is going on with the Ocompens thing. I mean, it only ever raises more questions. Yeah. Anytime we learn something about the Ocompens. Yeah, it's like, you know, her, her nose and her eyes and her mouth and her ears are all in the same place as the humans are, but... <laughs> that's explained in, in Star Trek canon, though. Yeah, but her weird uterus. Yeah, that's not explained. She's basically marsupial. Kind of. Backwards marsupial. Yeah. Like a possum. Yeah, she's like a possum. <laughs> I wonder if she can just like hold the baby in her sack on her back when she's done. Yeah. <laughs> it's it keeps like a, developing there. Like it's like a hoodie. It's, just... <laughs> it's like one of those, you know, people pay lots of money for those hiking backpacks that you can stick your babies in. Mm-hmm. She just has one growing on her. It's just a skin hoodie. <laughs> can she use it to like put it over her head when Squish. she's done <laughs> no just a big flap of skin afterwards <laughs> she's like um, my back will never be the same after this <laughs> childbirth it really does number on your body oh my god wear a backless dress now <laughs> what's the what's the demon's name in Buffy Clum oh yeah with all the skin the flap cat eating demon uh, yeah <sighs> how does she sleep on her stomach I assume with one eye open. <laughs> <laughs> With Neelix around, yeah. No, they sleep in different rooms. Hey. Yeah, they have totally different quarters. I was... Yeah, but he's a barger. That seems strange to me. Like, do you think that he has any boundaries? I don't think so. Yep. Touche. I mean, I can't judge the relationship dynamic because they don't really show much of it, but it did seem weird to me that they came on the ship as a seemingly like pretty committed couple and they, they have totally different living spaces. Yeah. What they do show is not good. Yeah. <laughs> Like, every interaction that I see between them, like, very rare is it like, okay, that's but it's like kind of normal. They don't cohabitate, but she's like, you are, you are the daddy. Yeah. I, <laughs> I choose to believe that they cohabitated for, like, a day or two, and then Janeway was like, I need to separate them. Hmm? Like, I refuse to let this happen under my roof. <laughs> no babies. Chakotay saw them making out in the turbo lift, and he's like, nope, <laughs> separate rooms. Was there was there any reason for that stinger that like intro? No, except for them to start talking about the like maybe people should be having babies on the ship, because I guess typical Starfleet protocol is like no fraternization. Yeah, he wanted to crack down on it for regulation purposes, and then realized it was a much bigger problem. But his turnaround was so abrupt 
Because he was so very much against the idea of fraternization, but he's like, oh, but we should have babies because we need babies mm-hmm. to take over for us in 30 years. Okay, no fraternizing. But, <laughs> Only but, sex. But... <laughs> Shirts on, lights off. Close your eyes. I'll give you all a sheet with a hole in it. No pillow talk. <laughs> I feel like his change, and maybe this is Jen kind of rubbing off on me, but his change came. Gross. (laughs) 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 Um, But but I think like the change came because he's like, I don't know about all this fraternizing, and Janeway's like, "Ah, it's okay, and he's like, Oh, "Oh." you're into it. Because he even said like, Oh, even you, and then she's like, Something, something, yes, definitely me, me and you. That's what she said (laughs) for reals. There yeah, was a she, ten minute slow motion. She winked at him. It's hard to know like, what they say when you slow down for ten minutes. <laughs> sure. no, there was there was a definite wink and like I don't know, Chicote, what do you think? Ah. So I think I think when you see a wink, you need to look at the other side of her face and see that it's also winking and a move generally called a blink. It does not carry the same connotation. No, 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 that was that was flirtatious. It even says so in the the blog. It says so in the blog. Oh well. <laughs> it's written on the internet, therefore it must be true. On Live Journal years ago. Yeah, that's where all of the truth was. <laughs> that's where my entire college truth is. <laughs> this explains a lot. Same. Yes. <laughs> that's where George R. R. Martin's truth is. So. Oh, God. Oh man, I just realized it's also like my truth because when I get drunk and I get like, you know, honest, I always call Facebook Live Journal. So I think you might be onto something here. See? Uh-huh. Um, I kept all my Live Journal posts. They're on my uh, WordPress blog now. Yeah, see, what? like, it's it's totally like a, there's. <laughs> we're you can export That's it. daring. <laughs> I wasn't anything salacious. I didn't oh, use okay. it very seriously. I mean, where else do you put all your emo poetry? I think I think probably a good thirty percent of my live journal posts was like, oh, oh, lol, I'm using live journal. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this. I'm currently playing this song. <laughs> that is exactly how it went. <laughs> I, I could show you. <laughs> I, had lot, I had a lot of gifts. You could do gifts on live journal. There were gifts back then. <laughs> Yeah, I was very advanced. Gifts are so Tumblr, though. Technological person. This was before Tumblr. I remember there being gifts, but I was not advanced enough to like take advantage of them. Well, there were file size and bandwidth problems back then. They were like those huge, tiny little baby gifts. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Now I'm just trying to imagine what all the characters on uh, Voyager's live journals would be like. Oh man, you know what Harry's would be be like? That would be rad. (laughs) We just cry all the time. And clarinets. Pictures of Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Tom said, hey you, he almost remembered my name this week. (laughs) He's kind of like the beginning of Harry. (laughs) If if he was an A and there were some R's I choose to believe he was cut off. Little say Harry. (laughs) You know Tom's just automatically plays music when you open it. (laughs) (laughs) Autoplay a MIDI of something like Yakety Yak or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tom Tom has a Rock and Robin. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like the background is just like a 1950s Chevy something. Yeah, it's all the rock and roll hits of the 50s. Yep. There's like some like pinup girl thing or whatever. It's like when you click on a picture of like a dress, like now it's underwear. Okay, it was funny when we were talking about Harry, but now I'm just infuriated. <laughs> well, of course it would be because of his obsession with gams. Uh, gams. Oh <laughs> Candy gams. Blogs no. would be cool though. That's the name of his blog though. Candy gams. Oh my god. It's terrible. It's probably taken. No, it's <laughs> myspace.com slash candy gams. Oh, right, right. Of course. Oh. Tom is his number one friend. 
I hate this. I hate all of this. It was Tom, right? Tom from MySpace. Oh. Janeways would be pictures of her coffee and recipes. Pictures of her dog. Yeah. Recipes imply she cooks. I think she only replicates. Well, she's probably one of those people that watches the Food Network, but then doesn't ever cook. She just asks the replicator for that. Make that thing. Yeah, she's like, that looks good. I want it. You know we would be, though. Yeah. Yeah. If we had replicators, like Absolutely. we would just watch Food Network constantly Why for inspiration. Why would I spend, like, three hours in the kitchen when I could just be like, that. Computer retrieve SP <laughs> from <laughs> foodnetwork.com. From food Network time slot. You can PM. program like an Alton Brown hologram to make you food. Sounds great. The future is going to be awesome. <laughs> we need to get on that. Yeah. yeah. My Gordon Ramsay hologram. It calls me a donkey and then gives me a steak. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting uh, we're getting too close to the actual fantasy. <laughs> gives you a very nicely cooked uh, beef Wellington. Yes, and an omelet. And a risotto. Oh, yes, <clears throat> risotto, and it would not be undercooked. The scallops would not be raw. <laughs> so I'm picturing Chicote's um, Chicote's live journal just being a bunch of pictures of Janeway, and then all his posts are locked. And then I really want to, see, <laughs> and then I really want to see like um, Tom or somebody just post a comment with the picture of the moon. From that one episode where, like, <laughs> there's that episode where they get stuck in, like, dreams. Yep. And Chakotay's like, oh, oh if I yeah. ever see the moon, Earth's moon, then <laughs> it tells me that I'm dreaming. Yeah, I, holy shit. People should just uh, troll the shit out of him with moons. I love that. <laughs> Little moon emojis. That's why he's so mad about fraternization. Because <laughs> everybody makes fun of him and his obsession with the captain. I assumed he was mad because he's not getting any. Yeah, because he's frustrated. It's like, why does everyone else get to do it? Because Janeway's not looking at him. Uh, excuse me, <laughs> his holodeck program? <laughs> this is pretty early in the show. He might not know about the holodeck. You don't know how holodeck works. He knows about <laughs> The establishment knows nothing about space yeah, or the, science. The, the next episode, he, he learns about the hologram, the, the holodeck, and is just like, You can make anything happen? <laughs> <laughs> and he's gone for like two or three episodes. <laughs> So as much as I'm enjoying this tangent, can we talk about Neelix <laughs> being a um, holophobe? Yeah, oh, yeah, what was up what with was, that? What was the deal with that? I didn't even catch that. I think that. mostly his um, motivation was to like delegitimize the doctor as a professional and be like, he's not even a real person. Why can he kick me out of the sick bay? It's mm. like because it's his sick bay. Yeah, <laughs> like we he, all agreed to this. When he was belligerent, the doctor kicked him out. He's like, you can't do that. And the doctor's like, it's my sick bay. What I say goes. And then he goes directly to the captain and says, I don't know if a virtual person should be able to tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Like he, like he very clearly lays out his prejudices in one line. Um, he actually, there was an, I, I wish that I had jotted it down, but he also says something about the doctor. Be oh yeah. He talks about, um, so when Kest is explaining that she's supposed to have her father massage her feet, gross, um, she's like, oh, I think I'll get the doctor to do it. And yeah. he's like, the doctor, he's not even a real person, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, he's real than me. And so it's a continued thing. So it's, I don't know, maybe lingering resentment, but it's not quite a heat of the moment, yeah. just shitting on someone. I think it's like resentment and jealousy, just because she does spend a lot of time with the doctor. Mm -hmm. She's The doctor is probably the person that she sees the most outside of Neelix. Um, so it's like, what are you doing with that hologram? Yeah, but also in the spectrum of Delta Quadrant species and their technology exposure, he's from a race who doesn't have transporters and seemingly probably didn't have holograms, so... It's a cultural problem he never had to actually address as a person or as a society. So that doesn't excuse it, obviously, but like, that's kind of the direction he's coming from is, well, this is a thing created by a computer. I don't have any experience to tell me otherwise. 
And to be fair, the Doctor's kind of a new thing, too. Like, sentient holograms are uncommon in Starfleet, though not unheard of. True. It's kind of funny, like, not to bring up Next Generation again, but that's what I'm going to do. Of course. Um, but, like, anytime anybody was rude to Data, everybody hated him. Like Pulaski? Yeah. I hate her. Data. Mm. She depersons him constantly. Yeah, that's why everybody hates Pulaski. She's terrible. Yeah. And she was also not overly pressure, which is Another primarily common. why. Another I strike like her. against her. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, Doctor Not Crusher. That was what her name was. Yeah, that, that was a problematic stance from Neelix. Yeah, and you know, you probably like the Doctor at this point. At least a little bit. He's endearing, even if you don't love him. Though he, he does not seem to have established his bedside manner yet. No. No, he's, like, he's not quite the, as cordial with people. He's the Bones um, archetype. Except for less charming. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so question. Yeah. Can anybody say anything nice about Neelix in this episode? Oh, I was wondering if we should just all say something nice about Neelix, like as a... To make up for all the horrible things we say about him all the time. I don't think we have to say anything nice about him to make up for him. As an exercise. When he deserves it, I will. (laughs) Can can you think of a, a positive quality for Neelix? Because in this episode, I can't really think of anything he said that endeared me to him at all. Well, I think that he was willing to put in a significant amount of emotional labor for something that he hadn't really thought of in a short amount of time because it meant something to Kess. He he came up with a fantasy of how raising a child would be and got devoted to that fantasy. That's true. (laughs) That's true. That's not to say that it didn't cost him emotionally Fair. to come up with that fan. But you're right, it's not practical or necessarily the right thing to happen. But like he did it because of his involvement with Kess. Yeah, that's um, true. Which is like probably one of the most selfless things that we've seen him do. Um, because originally he wasn't even really willing to entertain it. And then he's just like, well, if it means so much to you, maybe we'll talk about this. And he goes out and bothers Tuvok, which is what he's best at. And then Tuvok just turns around and strangles him again. <laughs> he plays one person on the whole ship. I feel like, honestly, the way that Neelix interacted with Tuvok was generally positive, because usually he's, I don't want to say more of a dick, but more obnoxious in his Neelixiness, and he kind of toned it back. He he actually said Mr. Tuvok instead of calling him Mr. Vulcan. At the end, he calls him yeah, Mr. Vulcan. Yeah, I was going to say. But, but when he's, like, trying to be more re- like he knows how he comes off so he kind of toned it down a little bit and had a reasonable conversation even though he was a f- <laughs> gender role misogynist kind of dick in it he was also listening too which is another new thing for neelix <laughs> <laughs> yeah he wouldn't even listen to Cass earlier in the episode yeah no yeah, so. usually he just steamrolls all over everybody but he was actually listening to what tuvok had to say it sounds like the stew was pretty good yeah he asked Tuvok if he wanted pepper sauce rather than just throwing it on there. Yep, it's like, this is what you're eating. <laughs> I, I love that Neelix is like, oh yeah, everybody's getting it. And Tuvok's like, yeah, well, if that's the only thing you're serving, <laughs> oh, yeah. it stands to reason. Tuvok is always good with one-liners, despite his insistence he doesn't tell jokes. <laughs> Complimentary thing about Kess in this episode? Like the character or the actress? I'm thinking the character, just because we already talked about the actress did a pretty good job and acting a couple of times so we covered that one but i thought the character acted reasonably in this episode i mean she was suddenly struck with initially an unknown ailment and then later a specific physical condition she wasn't really mentally or emotionally prepared for she approached that as best as a person probably could in a weird situation like that she was on a very limited timetable and then she did seek out advice from her doctor like i don't know i thought she behaved reasonably as a character 
she made good choices overall. I like that she didn't ultimately feel like she had to have a baby because this was the time to have a baby. I felt like I felt like they should have mentioned the fact that you could adopt. Like, <laughs> I don't know why that's not a possibility in these conversations. Like, that's a reasonable way to be a parent. I'm just picturing them adopting like the kid of somebody else on the ship. Like, <laughs> where's my kid? This is our kid. I was talking about. Just being like, uh, I don't want this one. And then like they're like, well, we only have like three Vulcans on board, and there's like half Vulcan here. So what's happening? It's also kind of interesting that like since. Like, Neelix was totally swayed into having a daughter, and then he ends up basically adopting Naomi Welp, and it's yeah. kind of like a sweet prequel. Oh, that's an interesting thought. Like, like that's sort of his new outlet for mm-hmm. his desire to be a parent. Hmm. And he's a good uh, he's a good paternal figure to her. Yeah, he's good crew. with Naomi. She looks up to him. He treats her well. Mm-hmm. He, like, helps with her education and upbringing. Teaches her about the afterlife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> never mind. Forget what you said. <laughs> the demon tree. <laughs> The guiding tree. We should mention this is the this is the beginning of the Naomi storyline. Yay! Because <laughs> <laughs> in all the conversation about Janeway's reservations about how to regulate reproduction on the ship, and then it ends with someone being pregnant. Yeah. Who eventually and is like, Naomi? Their idea that either everyone is going to be having babies or nobody's having babies. It's like what? Only a couple of people had babies. <laughs> yeah. For what's worth, there are only two births on the ship. Yeah. In the course of the show. In the main timeline. No, no, I'm no. not saying, I'm not, I was going to say like, well, there's that Borg baby. Uh, it wasn't born there. They, they found it on a cube. The, no, I was thinking about the. The one? Isn't that the. The future Borg. Yeah, the future Borg. Yeah. That starts off as a baby. Yeah, that's reasonable. It, I forgot it started as a baby. It's gross. Didn't Weird. It, it like assimilated the, um. The emitter. The yeah. emitter technology. And, and some it, random DNA of a crew member who had, was beaming at the time. Like there was some crossover of their transporters huh. yeah seven's nanoprobes the doctor's emitter and random crewman's genes were mixed together and, and turned into a future board baby mm. yeah that's oh, fair i had forgotten that one and then the other one is um tom and balana's uh, daughter mm-hmm. and then four little salamanders <laughs> we're an off ship yeah they just left <laughs> we don't talk about them mm-hmm. <laughs> honorable mention <laughs> Yeah, Lou, I think you had a question about Ensign Wildman's parentage that you were a little confused by. Yeah, so I was a little... I mean, I think that's what you're talking about. The I'm confused about... They're really far into their voyage. It's been about a year. This is the beginning of season two. Yeah, so I'm wondering how long the pregnancy lasts. Like, she's not she's not showing at this point. Yeah, but Naomi is half Katarian, so we don't know anything about that species. And maybe a long gestation period? Or like, she's human, but whatever. Uh, long gestation yeah. period, but but she grows up really quickly. Yeah, no, that's no, no. Good. she has accelerated growth, but it sounds like it's, like Jim said, long gestation probably. So she doesn't show for some time. I'm just like, how does a long gestation work in a human woman? That's... I have no idea. Also, did you not notice she wasn't having like periods anymore? Yeah, right. Maybe when they said they were trying, she like had some of his sperms frozen. And she was like inseminating herself. <laughs> Continuously trying in the Delta Quadrant. She's just in her quarters with the turkey baster yeah. every <laughs> every month. I don't know what happened. You, you know what happened. <laughs> just, you just get like a fucking ice that... cooler in her. <laughs> yeah, the beer cooler with, yeah. the, with the... the the red and white one that like slides open on the side. <laughs> yeah, with the blue pack ice. Either that or it's the milkman's baby. If you know what I mean. I don't know why this sounds less romantic somehow. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking? Then I was talking about. Oh, it's the only thing I've left of my husband. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the show raises so many reproductive questions. Either that, or we're just some sick bastards. 
So when does Naomi when is Naomi born? Is it in season two? Uh, I believe it's the end of season two because isn't season two to season three the um, where they get dumped off the ship? I forget what that's called. Yeah, she's a baby on on the planet, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it's probably about a like an eighteen month development period. It sounds like so so basically like an elephant. It sounds like the worst thing ever. <laughs> how how long did morning sickness last? Like a year of just vomiting. So like, oh, I guess I'm just sick all the time. So weird. I, I shouldn't go to sick bay about this. Yeah, you know, it's probably fine. <laughs> also, that at the end of the episode was just when she told Janeway, but she could have known for quite a while before then. She seemed pretty nervous to tell her, like it was maybe a recent realization. But yeah, it doesn't really say when she found out. I mean, I don't know what she would have thought that would have gone, like how else it could have gone. Like, what is Janeway going to say? Like, what is Janeway going to say? Well, she was right next to Janeway when <laughs> yeah. they were having conversations about yeah, I mean, I guess production that's true. on the bridge. But at the same time, it's just like, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. It's a totally cool place to have that very sensitive discussion. <laughs> it's like, it's happening. I don't know. <laughs> Again, BSG does it better because they're like on the bridge and the president is watching two people kind of fawning over each other. And she says right out loud, like, we need to start having babies right now. Yeah, that's a great scene. <laughs> and the Ty's like, is that an order? Yes. No, Adama says that. Did Adama say that? Yeah. Oh, got it. Like, they both said it at different times, but I think, you're right, Adama's the one who said it on the bridge. Yeah. He's like, it may be and, at some and point. Ty, Ty, and Ty, like, gets a smirk and says, yeah. is that an order? And he's oh. like, it may come to that. That was uh, Duala, was that her name? What's her name? D? Yeah. Duala, yeah. And the, Duala and the assistant. And the assistant. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Yeah. Oh, I shipped that. Yeah. They were a good couple. He had a bad ending. Sad. So did she. Oh, she had a depressing ending. Babies everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that was how it ended. Yeah. <laughs> they had many babies and lived happily ever after. This is our Yay. new BSG season four fan cast. <laughs> yeah. alt, alt season four. I haven't watched that show in years and I don't remember most of anything that I watch from anything. So It's probably for the better. Yeah. I mean, I remember some stuff, but... Yeah, one and two are good. I haven't watched it in years either. Yeah. I liked it. I yeah. I, I liked the whole thing. I, I I even liked the ending. I don't hate the ending. Like I I, I thought so it. Mass Effect. <laughs> oh, I hate the Mass Effect. Ending. Yeah, that was so Mass Effect though. The ending was. For the issues, <laughs> it ties everything up. Yeah. There's there's not really any open ended things unless you don't like them literally being angels. So well, I I wasn't even thinking about that. But the Spoiler first alert. <laughs> whoops. Don't uh, care. The, the first time through, I I thought it was fine. The second time through. It seemed like a pretty abrupt ending, but I didn't dislike it particularly. So I don't know. Maybe if I ever watched it a third time. I don't know. I thought season four was pretty well paced overall, like with the halfway split of the false ending and, and kind of where they go from there. Mm. And the whole idea of them making a, a world for themselves instead of searching forever for something that may not exist. I thought it was a good ending overall. I don't generally like endings where it's like, it was Earth all along. This is a warning. Watch out. This could happen again. So you don't love Planet of the Apes? I love Planet of the Apes. <laughs> <laughs> I would never date Neelix in a million years, even if he was the last person on Earth. He's not on Earth. I know. Good. Thank God. <laughs> what is Cassie and Neelix? He was the only one that picked her up. I don't think she really had to experience on the dating field. It's just a hero worship thing? It might be. It's like she syndrome. rescued him. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, or like, he took her to this strange environment, she feels beholden to him. Maybe that was his whole plan. And also overcome by just like the wonder of seeing a whole new civilization yeah. and society and people and new ideas. She's dependent on him in a way. In a big way. Yeah. I mean, like, not so much now because Voyager would take care of her. Voyager could save her. Mm hmm From him. Like, I definitely, I ship Tom and Kes more than I ship Neelix and Kes. I'm not yeah. saying something because yeah. Tom is awful. 
it's well, still problematic with anyone dating a nine, like a race only lives to be nine. So if they do, if they themselves do not live to be nine. So that's problematic, but at least Tom respects Kess. Like, uh, or he more so I think than so. Neelix. I as, think so. as a peer, I think yeah. like he doesn't he doesn't treat her like. Like Neelix's weird sort of doting father role. He treats her like a person who yeah. makes her own choices. And maybe that's what she sees in him that creates the weird love triangle. She's like, oh, yeah. this person actually respects me on some yeah. basic level that I deserve. You want to talk about another episode that's like rage-inducing? It's the one where Neelix and Tom go off on that planet and fight the whole time over Kess. And adopt a puppet alien baby. Ugh, it's so dumb. That sounds fucking awful. I it's that really bad. <laughs> It's it's the finale of their of their sparring storyline. Do they kill each other? Is that it? Is that, that it for they, both of them? Yeah. Do they yeah. kill the baby? Unfortunately, no. They have to work together to save the baby. Neelix could have adopted the baby. See? See? Adoption. Why doesn't no one talk about it? It's a legit Who, thing. Who's going to adopt whom on Voyager? We were just saying, you could adopt the puppet baby. But one one final note on the whole, like, Tom actually kind of respects Kess is, again, I'm going back to this episode where it was the reverse time thing, but in it, Kess is learning um, about this time anomaly, and so basically she'll jump to a point in time, and then she'll have to try and convince everybody else that there's this time anomaly that's happening, and it sounds fucking insane because she's like, I'm from the future, and I don't remember anything up to this point. And, like, Tom is totally on board with it, like, really quickly. He's like, okay, yeah, you're smart, you're a scientist, this makes sense. And I'm just like, that's so refreshing to see for Kess to finally get, like, somebody who's actually like, okay, I believe you. (laughs) And it's just like... How many times has Voyager traveled, or like any Star Trek, traveled through time and they have to spend all their time convincing people that that's actually happening? <laughs> what else would they do? You'd think that they'd be like, all right, if somebody comes back and tells me that they're from the future, I'm going to believe them automatically. I mean, it should be a protocol at that point. They have the temporal prime directive. Yeah. Like, they should be, a, okay, I'm <laughs> invoking this rule of Starfleet regulations. I'm a time traveler. Believe me. Oh, okay. Like, let's work off that assumption and then solve this problem. They have must a safe- kill Neelix. <laughs> a time travel safe word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's temporal prime directive. Time prison. <laughs> time banana. <laughs> what are we watching next week? All right. So for next week's episode, we are going to watch season five, episode six, Timeless. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Which one's that? That's the one where they fucking, they try and use the slipstream drive and they drive. crash it. Yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> everyone dies except Harry and, and Chakotay. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And it's them trying to fix the, the mistake. But they get to the Alpha Quadrant. <laughs> yeah. And Harry is obsessed with the past. And they're this both, sounds amazing. They're both, it's great. They both are so fucking miserable. <laughs> it's, oh, Chakotay's got a girlfriend. Sorry. It's Harry's <laughs> best episode. Yes. Like I think his absolute best episode. So I'm very excited to, to get some. Harry's best episode or yeah. Garrett Wong's best episode? Both. Yeah. Like, Garrett Wong puts in a great performance. But nice. we'll talk about yeah, it next yeah. week. Yeah. Yeah. Until then, yes, yes. this has been Salamander Babies. Uh, if you'd like to reach us on the web, we can be found at Twitter, um, at Salamander Trek, Facebook at facebook.com slash salamanderbabies, and Tumblr at salamanderbabies.tumblr.com. Or you can visit our website, salamanderbabies.com. If you would like to email us uh, with any questions or comments, our email is hellocomputer at salamanderbabies.com. Computer and program.